you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who will be sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at las.com kpcc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. Today we're joined by Dr. Thara Vijayan, Associate Professor of Infectious Diseases and Medical Director of Antimicrobial Stewardship at the Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. Dr. Vijayan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Austin. So the BA2 variant is spreading rapidly in Europe and Asia, and experts are saying that it's cause for concern. So first off, if you could just remind us what we know about BA2 and how it compares to the previous strains of the virus. Yeah, so from what we understand, there is a slightly higher risk of infection with BA2 compared with BA1, which was the original Omicron strain. Um, you know, it, it's certainly the the fold change is not um, nearly as high as the difference between Omicron and Delta, for example. I mean, I think that when we're looking at how much more infective it is, it may be a little bit more infective than BA1, um, but not that much more. Um, And certainly, I think there is um, good reason to believe that Many individuals who were infected with BA1, which you know in LA County was quite high in the during this last winter, um, are not likely to be reinfected necessarily with BA2. Um, so you know I I think there there's some hope, but certainly I think we we should be cautious about it. This is when I put it out to our listeners. If you have medical questions related to COVID-19, we're taking your calls at 866-893-5722. Again, that's 866-893-5722. You can also tweet us at AirTalk, leave a comment on the Facebook page, or email your comments at KPCC, uh, AT comments at kpcc.org. Looks like at when you read it, AT comments at kpcc.org. No matter how you contact us, please make sure you include your name and location because we like to know. Well, doctor, based on how the virus has spread in Europe, what inferences can we make about how the variant might spread here? I think it's certainly, you know, it will spread. Um, you know, we, we've seen certainly an increase in the percentage of uh, of COVID cases that are related to BA2 over the last couple of weeks. Um, LA County has been reporting, and, and you know, I, I think that you have to understand that a lot of the sequencing data that we get from our, our departments of public health are, are probably reflective of what they were seeing a week ago, so there's a little bit of a lag, but they were reporting about um, 6 to 7% of current cases of COVID um, are estimated to be BA2. So, you know, I certainly think that it will likely increase, particularly among those who 
did not actually get infected this last surge. Um, and, and certainly those who remain unvaccinated are at highest risk of having severe disease. You know, all of the principles that we've learned from all of the prior surges are going to hold true for this if it does, in fact, become a surge. You know, wastewater analysis, it's a really interesting tool to have in the pandemic toolbox. And according to the CDC's wastewater tracker, about 38% of uh, sampling sites in the U.S. have reported an increase in coronavirus levels. What is it that wastewater can tell us when it comes to things like the coronavirus? I think it can certainly give us a sense of how prevalent um, coronavirus is. It doesn't give us a sense of how many people are truly sick with coronavirus, that, that we depend on our you know, our healthcare uh, professionals to report um, to the departments of public health. But, you know, there, there is certainly a sense that um, that coronavirus has not gone away. And, and I don't think any of us expect that it will go away. I think, you know, we there's a lot of sort of academic debate about what is going to, when is it going to become, quote unquote, endemic. Um, and, you know, there, there's no question that it's still here. Um, the question really is, is how many people are actually getting sick from this? And, and at least from what we know and what we're seeing in the hospitals, far fewer people are getting very, very sick at this moment. The doctor is in. Dr. Thara Vijayan is in with us. If you have questions related to COVID-19, we would love to hear them here. You can give us a call or you can send us an email, 866-893-5722. Again, 866-893-5722. Tweet us at AirTalk Facebook page or email us, atcomments at kpcc.org. Well, you know, many of us are still wearing masks out, doctor, myself included, still exercising caution. And I'll ask you about vaccines in just a second. But we know that spring break is just around the corner for a lot of students, for a lot of families. People are making summer plans. How should we factor this variant into our plans over the next few weeks and months? I think we, you know, I, I'm also somebody that is continuing to mask in indoor spaces. I, that has not, for, for me and for my family, has not gone away, even though, you know, LA, um, USD and various uh, unified school districts have actually um, allowed for permissive masking. Um, you know, until we have... Um, until we have a good enough sense uh, of the that the hospital the hospital rates will remain low, um, I, I certainly don't feel comfortable not necessarily masking indoors. Um, you know, as much for us as for um, our community members. Mm. I think when it comes to spring break, um, you know, the principles that have always been true for this pandemic, which is that. Outdoor transmission is far less risky than indoor transmission still applies. So for those people that are going away to nice beachy resorts, you know, spending time outdoors is great. And I would absolutely recommend that. Um, I think, you know, there is still uh, a measure of caution that I personally am using with indoor spaces. So I want to come back to this point before I move on to the news, because we don't want to worry people, but how concerned should we actually be? Where are we compared to where we were at the peak of the Omicron or Delta surges? Right. So, you know, with every uh, new variant that we've seen, and, and so much of this really depends on the 
vaccination rates in a population. You know, what we're seeing in Hong Kong, um, there was a really great op-ed written in the New York Times um, this morning by a physician um, in Hong Kong who was basically attributing that surge to a largely unvaccinated elderly population. Um, so with every variant that we've seen, you know, there's there's a lull right before the surge um, because, you know, many people in the prior surge either got infected or were vaccinated. Um, and I think where we are right now is that, that lull. Um, and I think we just have to realize that this this is not going away. And, um, and because of that, um, exercise some caution, um, but also realize that, you know, so many of us are suffering from various mental health issues and, um, and social isolation and um, just take the, the needed precautions to prevent a surge in hospitalizations. We're talking with Dr. Thara Vijay, an associate professor of infectious diseases and medical director of antimicrobial stewardship at the Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. We have a few questions from listeners, doctor. One from Carl in Pasadena who asks, how does the body's immune system react to the virus if you still haven't caught COVID and are not vaccinated? And I, I imagine he means this current mutation. If you're not vaccinated and if you have never been exposed to the virus, if you've never actually had infection. Correct. So the, um, the body, if, if, if you've never seen COVID before, um, then you are definitely at risk of getting infected. And then the question is, how, how high of risk are you at actually developing severe disease? And I think that um, there are sort of two uh, ideas about what causes severe disease. One is what your underlying risk factors. So if you have heart disease, if you have high blood pressure, if you are older, um, if you have a lowered immune system, then you are definitely going going to be at high risk of getting pretty significantly ill and potentially hospitalized if you have not been vaccinated. The other piece of this is, you know, we have certainly had uh, a number of individuals who are not historically considered high risk, you know, they're not necessarily obese or they don't have high blood pressure, who still are hospitalized. And I think a lot of that has to do with how much virus they're exposed to. And so, you know, if you have no immunity at all, it is, and given how transmissible these variants are, you are going to be exposed to a lot of virus. And there is still a a risk of being hospitalized, even if you don't have any of the traditionally defined risk factors. I want to ask you one more question, doctor, because this week Congress nixed $15 billion in coronavirus funding from a $1.5 trillion spending bill. And the White House says that this will have some pretty immediate consequences. Next week, the government will have to cut shipments of monoclonal antibody treatments by a third. And in April, it will no longer be able to reimburse healthcare providers for testing, vaccinating, or treating millions of uninsured Americans, how how big how much of an impact is this going to make on our ability to fight uh, COVID nineteen? Because we recognize now, uh, based off of several economic factors as well, that a key to recovering and getting back to what we know to be normal is vanquishing this virus. What effect could this have on us? Yeah, you know, I think um, what has been very clear from the get-go, you know, from 
March 2020 um, is that this virus does disproportionately affect those who are um, underinsured or uninsured or or live in communities um, where um, there aren't a lot of resources. And by cutting this this expenditure, um, we're just going to see an exacerbation of that. So those communities that have been disproportionately affected by this are going to continue to be disproportionately affected by this. Um, you know, the, the idea that the government is no longer going to provide monoclonals, it doesn't mean that they're not, there's not going to be a supply. You know, the industry will definitely drive the supply, but it also means that that the individuals who can't afford those medications or who don't have insurance are not going to have access to that. And that's going to continue to, to devastate um, a lot of our communities. Wow. 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 Well, Dr. Thara Vijayan, Associate Professor of Infectious Diseases and Medical Director of Antimicrobial Stewardship at the Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. Thank you, as always, for making the time. We really appreciate it. It's so important to get this information out there. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in LA. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at las.com, at kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.